Hello, everybody. Coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios. This is the greatest show on dirt. I am your host, Quentin. I am accompanied by Brody the Black Lab, and we are going to talk some baseball this morning. Currently, Brody's got his head out the window. He's he's on the scout. You know, he's a hunting dog. Even though he lives in a home, a very expensive home at that for a dog, he, he still is always on the hunt for his next meal. And no matter how much money we buy on food, he's always looking for the wild game meal. He loves to taste a venison, squirrel, duck, bird, anything he can get his hands onto. He's, he's a wild dude. I'll feed him a full meal, and he thinks he's just got to go and ravage. But, you know, he, he's a wild dog. What can you say? He's got dragon energy. Last week, um, I always take Brody to the baseball field. So we've got five baseball fields across the street, the biggest of which is 298 to all three sides, left, center, right. And I always love to take him in there to run. He gets a ton of energy out, and there are usually birds in there, so he can go and chase some birds. Well, last Sunday, I led him into the field, and there's some birds, and he's, he's full on. When, when he hits the dirt, it sounds like a racehorse. It sounds like you're watching the Kentucky Derby. He's fast. He's, he's a lab mixed with shepherd. He's a quick dude. He caught a bird last week. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. He runs into the field, right, and... He's chasing birds, so by the time I get out there, I get out there about center field, and he's still chasing all these birds. All the birds are running away. They're flying away, and they're leaving, but he catches a bird. He catches a bird. Now, that's terrifying for a couple reasons. One, birds might have, like, rabies and stuff. I don't really know, right? Brody hasn't turned into Cujo in the last week, so fingers crossed I think we're in pretty good shape, but oh, this is what happened. A full-on Alfred Hitchcock the birds, he, he gets a bird, and he's not mean to it, but he's just kind of sniffing it and pawing it because he's like, what is this thing? I finally got one. I kid you not, four birds come from the sky, congregate like they're coming for my dog. They're coming for me just like Alfred Hitchcock, the birds. Now, I watched that movie when I was a kid, maybe like eight or nine. I was terrified for like a month, every time I'd go outside and I'd see a bird and I'd be like, oh crap, like they're going to come for me and peck my eyeballs out. I thought this was happening and I thought it was happening right now. I said, they're going to peck our eyeballs out. So I'm frantically yelling for Brody to come on, run, run, run. And he finally gets the picture. We run out of that field. The birds are coming after us. We finally made it barely. I mean, I saw like I had a nightmare that night of, of my eyeballs getting pecked out. He, he caught a bird. I, could, I never thought he'd catch a bird, but he did catch a bird, and our life flashed before our eyes immediately, and that's what we've done this past week, but we're going to get into some baseball. The first thing, I'm so pumped to talk about this game. I think this is one of, and you're not going to see this game coming, but this is one of the, my favorite games. I've really only watched half of it at this point, but the Sunday game with Wade LeBlanc and Stephen Wright is absolutely one of the most funnest games I've ever watched. Funnest isn't a word. Don't, don't at me. It's one of the best games I've watched all year. So I, I put down some numbers on it that were super, super exciting, right? So Wade LeBlanc, he knocked out 22 straight guys. And so I started counting his pitches because I was like, um, He's pitching real slow. You know, they call him, a, you're, he's a junk baller. He doesn't throw a lot of fastballs. And when he do, they might run like just a hair over 85 miles an hour. So I did some counting, right? And this is what we have. I don't know how many pitches total Wade LeBlanc threw, but 73 of his pitches, which have to be the majority of what he threw because he went seven and two thirds and 98 pitches. <laughs> My memory just came back to me, live podcast. 
So he threw 98 pitches. 73 of his pitches were 85 miles an hour or lower. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was amazing to see. I mean, there were hitters up there. I watched him strike out J.D. Martinez, I think twice. J.D.'s first two at-bats struck out. And J.D. was fooled. The first time he struck out, he struck out looking. And LeBlanc and the catcher go back to the dugout. And J.D.'s sitting there like, what the heck just happened? Like, he's having a conversation with the umpire, and I don't think he's arguing with the ump. I, honest to God, I think he's looking at the ump going, like, what the hell is that? J.D. struck out on 79. J.D. Martinez, his first at bat, he sees three pitches. 73, 85, I think, and then 79. And it, he struck him out on three pitches. Like, that's not hard. That's not easy to do when J.D. Martinez leads all of Major League Baseball in home runs and, I think, RBIs. The guy's slugging, like, probably, like, 650. He was befuddled, completely befuddled, like, scratching his head, like, what in the world just happened? That was a treat. Stephen Wright, holy crap, even better. Like, I don't think he, he's got a fastball. That <laughs> Stephen Wright will fool you with a fastball. So here's what happens. And I thought, oh, I wish I could remember who was batting. But Stephen Wright, his knuckleball dances so hard. Like on next season of Dancing with the Stars, it's going to be Stephen Wright's knuckleball paired with the dancer, and they're going to win the whole entire season. It was beautiful. I'm on like the first three innings. I think like five balls went to the backstop. Um, who was catching? Um, okay, Sandy Leone wasn't catching, but the Red Sox other catcher. I want to say Christian Vasquez. That's the second catcher that the Red Sox had. I believe Vasquez was catching. And all, ooh, that's Brody. He's back live. Let me give him a treat real quick. Hold that thought. Sorry about that. Brody had his eye on a squirrel, and you've got to tame the wild beast where you can. So <laughs> Christian Vasquez is just trying to catch balls. And, I mean, they're dancing all over the place, left and right. Like, it's here's, – here's what Stephen Wright's pitching is like. You know when you're playing, like – a baseball game, like on a video game, and the pitcher like loses all of his energy, but you're still pitching him, and the ball moves so slow with your joystick, you can move it left or right. That's Stephen Wright pitching from the first inning to the seventh inning, and balls are going to the backstop. They're going in the dirt, but not a lot of them are going in the dirt. They're really just bouncing off Vasquez's glove and going straight to the backstop. Like part of the game I was listening to, and it was the TV feed, and I would just hear a boom, and it would be the ball hitting the backstop. It was great, but I'm telling you, when it, watch this game on replay. It was Sunday's game, and you'll be completely satisfied for the first three innings. Nelson Cruz was swinging so hard. He looked like the biggest guy on a drunken beer softball league, just swinging his hardest. Like, Javi Baez is a hard swinger. Nelson Cruz, I think, was swinging twice as hard because you see the ball coming, and it's running like 73, 74 miles an hour, and he's swinging as hard as he can. Brody is still barking. He's loving life right now. You want to say something on the podcast? That's him sniffing it. I think he licked the mic. It's for good luck. Um, so Nelson Cruz was swinging so hard through 72 and 73 miles an hour combined. The, the totals are astonishing. Now, I have the full hit to at bat totals for the complete game. And he, he, there are a few things I like about this. So for one, the total game batting average for all nine innings for these teams was a buck 40. The game had eight hits total. Six by the Mariners, two by the Bo Sox. Red Sox were two hit. There's a little bit here, though. The Red Sox can't hit lefties. LeBlanc's a lefty, and LeBlanc also faces the Red Sox later this week. I think this weekend, yeah. But the total batting average was a buck forty. Now, all jokes aside, there are a few things I like about this. So the first thing I want to do is 
tell you over Wade LeBlanc's numbers. As a starter, he's 3-0 with a 206 ERA. Total on the season, 152 ERA plus. Only strikes out about seven and a half guys per nine. This is good stuff. Stephen Wright, for the most part this year, is continuing where he left off with his 2016 All-Star year. So Stephen Wright did make an All-Star team in 2016. I believe pitched to a low three earned run average that year. And this season, he's pretty much... Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is so bad. He's pretty much just continuing off right where he went, right? He pitched to a 333 ERA in 2016. Right now, over 36 innings, phenomenal start. ERA plus off the books at 357. But he's 2-1 um, he's one right now with a 123 ERA, and he's uh, allowed about five hits per nine, 0.2 home runs per nine, right? Like, this is going to be huge. And this is kind of what I wanted to talk about with um, where both of these pitchers are going, how difficult they can be to hit, and how it might be sustained. So I think the first question is also 7.1 strikeouts per nine. I think one of the first questions you've got to ask yourself is this. Are guys pitching like um, Stephen Wright and Wade LeBlanc? Like, is this kind of just a fluke? Because maybe, right, the obvious question is, oh, these teams have probably just seen these pitchers for the first time, and this has obviously got to be probably like a bit of a fluke, right? Real, real great article posted on ESPN.com about um, pitchers that are succeeding and aren't striking out a lot of guys. Now, one of the things I liked about this game is that Stephen Wright went seven innings and Wade LeBlanc went seven and two-thirds innings. And really, he, both of their pitch counts were low enough where they probably could have continued to pitch. But at that point late in the game, you've made it so far, you might as well go to a fresh bullpen because the hitters have seen the pitchers um, at least three times through the lineup. Now, this article I read on ESPN.com, Jerry Krasnick wrote it, man. It's a great article, and it just really talks about the finesse of guys going out there and not playing for strikeouts. One of the quotes was by Jake Arietta. If you give me a second, I'll find this quote. Actually, let's do this because it's first in the article. Mike Maddox is bringing up a lot of Cardinals pitchers, what it seems like to pitch to contact. Um, and this, I think, does a couple things, especially for the young pitcher. It's going to keep their pitch counts low, and it's going to keep them fresh you know, later through the game. And I guess the reason why I care about pitch counts being low is if you want – if you're gonna if you're gonna pitch for power, if you're gonna pitch for strikeouts, your pitch count's always gonna be high. I've seen a few starts recently with Max Scherzer, five six innings over a hundred pitches. Right, this is the guy. Right, devil's advocate here. So I know you want to jump through your radio or your phone and punch me in the face and give me like three black eyes because I must have three eyes if I'm talking this crazy. Max Scherzer is supposed to be the best pitcher in baseball, but when he can only give you five plus or six innings because he's reached 120 pitches, it's great that he struck out 13 guys, but at this point you're taxing the bullpen. And your horse, your number one starter, you want him to go seven or eight because he's the guy that's supposed to save your bullpen because he's your number one. Once you get down to your three, four, and five, yeah, they're going to use the bullpen a little more because those pitchers might not be skillful enough to face the lineup, you know, over three times through or over three times through. So Scherzer's supposed to be your bullpen saver. One of the things I like what Mike Maddox is doing is he's teaching a lot of Cardinals pitchers to pitch to contact. Obviously, well, not obviously this, even even Jordan Hicks, who's hit, I think, 105 this year, if you look at his strikeout totals, they're about that of Wade LeBlanc. He's not whiffing guys like Aroldis Chapman or Andrew Miller or even, I think, like Dellen Batances and Josh Hader are the guys you really want to go to because those are power guys, especially Dellen, who's like 6'8", 500 pounds. He's like Andre the Giant on the mound. 
Um, phenomenal shape and can throw a barred ball really hard. And he's got great control right now. But even Jordan Hicks throwing 100 plus, he's pitching to contact. And besides the Jason Hayward home run he gave up last week, he, he's done a really good job. He keeps an ERA below two and gets guys to ground out. He really does. And Jordan Hicks is going to be your anomaly, I, I hope, because he's so young that there aren't any ligament concerns with the guy. Because you know how it is with young pitchers come up. They might go for a year and do it. But he seems to be pretty durable, and I think he knows his body. I watched the Jordan Hicks interview. This is St. Louis Cardinals reliever. Jordan Hicks, you've got to watch him if you haven't. He's got one of the, the highest, best vintage Nolan Ryan leg kicks. I've seen him work a quick, quick delivery. Doesn't happen a lot, but his leg kick is a thing of beauty. It's the Mona Lisa on a baseball field, and, and it's great, but you've got to watch him pitch, and um, he, he does a great job at inducing ground outs. And it, it, He said in an interview, like the speech just kind of come, I really believe him when he says that his power is not really forced. Kind of just as he got older – he the speed showed up so I don't think like Jordan Hicks is forcing it nor do I think Mike Maddox would let him force it but there are a lot of pitchers in there like Jack Flaherty I don't Jack Flaherty struck out a lot of guys um but I don't believe like Waka Flaherty Weaver they've got another guy coming up Dakota uh, I wish I could remember his name Dakota something the Cardinals have a prospect coming up and he's not a strikeout pitcher either and Mike Maddox is teaching the guys like this. And here's what I want to talk about. One, if you're going to pitch the contact, you're not going to pitch power. So you're not going to throw as hard as you can every time. Pitching the contact more so like the book of like Greg Maddox, Kyle Hendricks, you're going to really finesse it, work on your location, you know, spot your balls perfectly because you're toning it down a little bit. One, what I do, it gets a starter deeper in the game. If you can have a starter throw seven-plus innings this day and age, that's the rarest thing ever. I posted on our Twitter and Facebook last week. It was June 14th of 78, possibly, maybe 74, that Nolan Ryan threw 13 innings in a game, and it totaled, yeah, 13 innings in a game, and it totaled 235 pitches. And obviously all the comments were like, oh, that's three days' worth of starts. You're lucky to get seven out of a guy. A lot of times you're lucky to get six out of a guy. You know, when the quality start is defined as six innings of three-run ball, that's a four-and-a-half ERA, quality my ass. You, you got the bullpen's going to have to go seven, eight, nine. It's, it's bonkers to me. But, oh, I was going to get you guys this guy, Dakota Hudson. He's a sinker baller, induces a ton of ground balls in the uh, St. Louis Cardinals farm system. But here's the quote by Mike Maddox. He says, strikeouts are sexy. On a strikeout, your fielding percentage is really, really high. But God dang, if we're all that smart, let's just find a way to make sure the fielders are in the right place every time. It's not a crystal ball. To say somebody is on borrowed time because you're not striking enough guys out, I would have to disagree with that. And with the borrow time, it goes back to the LeBlanc and the right start. We're like, okay, so these guys saw these teams and, you know, these hitters saw these pitchers for the first time this year, and they're so used to velocity. So maybe they'll see them once and begin to hit them. I don't know if that's true or not, and Mike Maddox doesn't believe it is true because these guys – their pitching is more than just, like, surprise. Like, oh, he did good because I haven't seen him in a little bit. These guys are finessing the ball. They're, you know, they're placing the ball where it needs to be, where the guys can't really hit it. And you don't have to throw 100 million miles an hour, right? Everybody in Major League Baseball throws every team's got if you're a reliever and you're coming into a game like you could be like the worst reliever on the team with a six earned run average but you've got 97 
you've got 97, right? And Stephen Wright's allowing 0.2 home runs per nine inning. In this day and age, when you've got junk ballers or knuckleballers or whatever that are doing that, hey, man, you know, you're, um, if you can avoid the home run, induce contact, because guys are up there swinging, a lot of soft fly balls and soft ground outs from these guys, you're, you're doing just that. As Mike Maddox and other pitching coaches, and I think it's going to go this way at some point. I think at some point sooner than later, pitching coaches are going to start to bring their guys up, honing in on these secondary junk balls, you know, whatever breaking ball array that they have, to hopefully keep an arm healthier because you can get guys out like that. And especially because of this, now that 97, 98, and 100 is so common, like, like everyone and their brother in their backyards throwing 97 miles an hour hitters are so ingrained from like high school on to hit power if you can bring up a guy that maybe pitches for power or maybe doesn't and say hey let's slow you down a little bit in a lot of senses one it's going to save that ligament and that's what I like about this most where if pitching coaches will do what Mike Maddox is doing and kind of save some of these pitchers and rely on some of their secondary stuff and you know pitch to contact it's going gonna, it's gonna to save their ligaments because pitching for contact doesn't require 100-plus miles an hour. Bartolo Colon, obviously, is 45 years old, but he can. there are many starts, especially when he no-hit the Astros through seven-plus innings. That night, he was dead on, putting the ball exactly where he needed to be, and it's you know working smarter, not harder. It sounds cliche, but that's exactly what it is. And you saw that in the Mariners-Red Sox game with Wade LeBlanc and Stephen Wright. So on top of saving the ligaments, here's also where I'm going with this. If you've got starters right now that are frequently pitching five innings and hitting high 90s to low 100s pitches, it happens frequently. Most starters, I mean, you get second, third, fourth starters. A lot of times first starters, like we'd said with Max Scherzer, they're going to get into the fifth inning and be pretty close to 100 pitches. And a lot of times that's going to be it for them and the bullpen comes in. But imagine if you could take that 98 pitches – um, finesse these hitters a little bit and get your starters into the seventh inning. And you can start to do that now. That means a lot for a bullpen in the playoffs, right? Because what happens when a guy can go longer than six innings, like seventh, even to the eighth inning, like LeBlanc went seven and two-thirds? You're saving your bullpen at that point, okay? What do we know about bullpens? That bullpens win World Series, okay? The Cubs had a great bullpen in 2016 when they acquired a role as Chapman. Um, I don't really know what happened in the 2017 World Series because every team was just hitting home runs. But the bullpen from the Houston Astros, you had guys like uh, Lance McCullers that went to the bullpen that did phenomenal. And I think Charlie Morton pitched from the bullpen last year. If it wasn't Morton, it was another converted starter that pitched from the bullpen that just did amazing when Ken Giles lost his slider because there was a, a baseball debacle then. But, hey, that's neither here nor there. But I like the idea of teaching these pitchers to really finesse the ball to locate their pitches more concentrated, maybe a little more slower. That way your bullpen's fresher when it comes to the postseason. Joe Madden said in 2017 that his bullpen wasn't ready for the postseason. Right? They were tanked. They were gassed. Guys aren't going long anymore. A great pitcher these days is lucky to pitch three complete games in a whole entire season when if you look on the back of Fernando Valenzuela's baseball card, he threw like 27 complete games in one year, something bonkers like that. So I really like the idea of this saving your starter's arm and saving your bullpen's arms when it comes to the postseason because we all know that the postseason is so strategic, you rely on matchups. And at that point, if you've got guys with healthier elbows, healthier shoulders, and a bullpen that's more rested with guys that have maybe only pitched 
um, you know, 40, 40 something innings as opposed to like closer to 70, you know, they're going to be pretty good to go because you see a lot of times guys pitch deep into the postseason. And the next year, they're kind of off because maybe their arm's just shot. You know, they're exhausted. The winter is not as long as we'd like to think it is. And it takes a while to get, you know, to kind of get over that. You know, our bodies don't recover um, as quick as what we'd like them to when we were 20. And I think that's huge. And I I love the idea in all seriousness. Like, the game was super fun. But I really do believe that sooner than later over the next few years, pitching coaches are going to start to bring these guys up differently. The amount of pitchers that are on the shelf this year alone that had to leave for Tommy John surgery, um, it's alarming. It really is. And now these days you've got pitchers going out with lat problems, right? So Alex Reyes came back in his first start. He tore his lat, and he's got to have surgery to reconstruct the thing. He's out all year. Noah Syndergaard missed all of last year, tore his lat, and then the Cubs had to shut down their top pitching prospect, because of a lat. I don't believe he's going to have surgery, but he has to be on the shelf for it because there's some there's some strained muscles in there. It's kind of, you know, it's alarming. And for these guys to throw so hard, like where they're tearing their lat muscles, whoa, like your back muscle is one of the biggest and strongest on your entire body. You've got to believe that a guy throwing a baseball that hard and tearing his lat, like that's a destructive throw right there. And it's great, but, you know, I really think we're coming to a point where People are getting used to velocity. You know, I watched Daniel Murphy go oppo on a 98, 99-mile-an-hour mile rolled his Chapman fastball last night like it was nothing. Jason Hayward turning on that Jordan Hicks 99 like it was nothing. I mean, we saw Raphael Devers last year. I think you know, that's a lefty-on-lefty matchup. Raffy's lefty. Aroldis was lefty, and that's what was happening. So it was a Yankees-Red Sox game, and he turned on 103 and gave a souvenir to some fan out in the bleachers. These are these are crazy times, but, you know, there's another pitcher, D- Daniel Mengden, for the Oakland Athletics. He's finessing pretty good. He's had some really great starts this year for the Oakland Athletics. It's the guy who's got a Raleigh Fingers-looking mustache. You also have Sean Manaya. He no-hit the Red Sox this year. Granted, he's a lefty, um, and the Red Sox are bad at lefties, but still, you've got finesse pitchers out there. I mean, the resurgence of Bartolo Colon explained that. Finesse pitchers that are having success because hitters just aren't used to it, but the thing about it is, is finesse is always in style. You know, Greg Maddox, finesse is always in style. Jamie Moyer, there are guys that do this and don't have to force 100. I think what happens with these clubs is if you know you have a guy that can throw 100-plus if he really lets it loose, yeah, logic tells you, ooh, well, instead of throwing eight innings, why don't you just throw as hard as you can for five innings? And I've got eight guys in the bullpen now as opposed to four, which is what we used to carry, and we'll let this thing go, and I think we can get some guys out. But hitters are smart, man. Um, You've got all this launch angle stuff, you know, and they're dialed in on it. They're used to it, and they're seeing it. And, you know, you've got high schoolers. Hunter Green was drafted – he was Hunter Green was the number one draft pick for the Cincinnati Reds in the 2017 draft, and he came out of high school throwing 100, right? These kids are doing it at a young age. Um, but you've got guys out there like the guys I just named that are, you know, bucking the trend a little bit, and they're doing big things with, um, you know, locating their pitches and doing it well. And I think they'll do teams a lot of good pitching deep into games and getting them some more time. But other than that, we'll close this show out right now. I've kind of got to go to work. Um, yeah, the greatest show on dirt does keep a day job. Ugh. Um, but either way, no, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Um, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at greatest on dirt and, um, hope you enjoy the podcast, but until then again, thank you so much for listening. That was Brody saying bye. Brody, you want to say bye one more time? He, he gets, I, he gets, um, iTunes.
There he is. There he is. He gets podcast shy. What can I say? But um, either way, Brody's ready to end this show, and so am I. So thank you for listening. You guys have a phenomenal day. Take care.